It's great to have Joseph reading for us this morning, uh, like he's been doing that for a long time. Appreciate uh, that. It is great to be together. We worshiped with several churches while we were out. Um, some of those good, some of those uh, a little bit concerning. Um, but we were up in an area where there aren't a lot of uh, opportunities for Christians to be together. We met a couple who drove an hour and a half or more uh, in order to be with a group of faithful Christians. And, uh, and we ought to be thankful for the group that we have here and uh, our ability to work together here. Well, it is no surprise to you when I tell you that the world is in a very disturbing place, especially this month being Pride Month as we uh, experienced in the Northeast. Lots of flags, unbelievable things, lifestyle, lots of, uh, of just unbelievable things going on. Uh, I, I spoke with a couple of men in a campground in northern Maine last week, or week before last, about apparently there's a controversy in the schools up there where two girls are identifying as cats and demanding that the school put litter boxes in the classroom for them. Crazy things going on. And I want to tell you that we get to this type of place where we are because we don't appreciate God's instructions. We don't honor God's instructions around the home and the family. And we don't get to 2022 because we just made a wrong turn in 2021. The foundation for what we're experiencing today has been laid for years and years and years as people did not give any regard to God and His will for the family and the home. And Mark and I have been changing, exchanging text messages for several months now about things in the news that are just shocking along these lines, and I keep threatening that we need to talk about these in a sermon or, or more sermons. And so this morning, I want to embark on a several-week-long study of God's design for the home because it is so important. We can't talk about the place that we are now and the deviant lifestyle that so many have without first understanding God's design for the home. And so this morning, I want to spend time with you talking about God's design for the home. And then in the weeks to come, Lord willing, on Sunday mornings, I want to talk about men's role in the home, the woman's role in the home, the children and their role in the home. We need to talk about those who are single as well and God's design for that. And then we need to get into some of those variants and variations that are not according to God's will and God's design, that being divorce and homosexuality. And so this is sort of fundamental stuff, but in the society that we live in today, we need to be standing firm on what God says is His intention for the home. We'll tell you that if we're going to be the people that we should be, we've got to make sure that our family is what it should be. If we care about our children and their future, we need to be concerned about our family and our homes and make sure that they are according to God's design. And so this morning, let's start in this important study about God's design for the home. The first thing that we have to note 
as we start this study is that the family is a God-designed institution. Many today in our society have the idea and even tout the idea that the idea and concept of family is sort of fluid. That you can sort of decide what family looks like to you and how you want to structure your family and what that family is made up of. It is sort of at your discretion. And we just sort of have to figure this out as we go because the idea of family is fluid. We hear discussions about traditional families as like that is just uh, one option. There are many different kinds of families that you could have. And if you decide to have a traditional family, then okay. But there are other family makeups and compositions that you could have that would be just as equally valid. Here's what one group said about that. So what is a family in 2007? This is a little dated, but it has not changed. And any, if anything, it's gotten worse. A family is and always has been an ongoing creation with or without children, with one parent or two, gay or straight. We all cobble together families as best we can because in the end there is something exceedingly human in our desire, our need to be a part of a loving and supportive group that will be there for us. You make up the family however you want to be husband and wife, husband and husband, wife and wife. We're just going to cobble together a family the best we can. And it's an ongoing thing. A family today might not look like a family looks in 100 years from now. 100 years from now, we may not even have two humans making up a family. You cobble together the best you can. A group of lawyers can... Uh, concerned about non-traditional family law said this, the definition of family will continue to evolve with our society. I want to tell you, God's definition of a family will not evolve with the society. God's definition of a family is clear. The traditional family is the original family, and it's the only family that God desires. Matthew 19, beginning in verse 4, Jesus said, he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and they shall cleave to his wife, he shall, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be twain one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh, wherefore, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man separate. Jesus says this traditional family is the family that God created in the Garden of Eden, and the family that God desires, one man and one woman. Back in that chart that we looked at earlier, um, where uh, the, the, the person says here, because in the end there's something exceedingly human in our desire, our need to be part of a loving and supportive group that will be there for us, that's absolutely true. Jesus said that was created in the Garden of Eden. In the passage that, that um, Joseph read for us, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And dropping down to verse 21, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took, out of one, of his, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because wife. 
and they can. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and, they shall, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is God's design. God made the solution for men having the desire to not be alone. He made that solution, that solution being the family. And so the family is a God-designed institution. And as a result, then, we need to understand that the family is to be a respected institution. Sadly, the family is the brunt of many a comedian's jokes. The family is under attack in many of the sitcoms we see on television, attacking the family, ridiculing the family. But the family is to be a respected institution because it is a God-designed institution. I want to tell you that that needs to be respected in our language as well. How many times have you heard people refer to their husband as the old man? Or heard a man talk about his wife as being the old lady. Or heard marriage described as the old ball and chain. The family is a God-designed institution and therefore needs to be a respected institution. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33 beginning. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 33 Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Family passages that we'll be looking at as we go into this series on the family but as we look at this quickly this morning, let us just note the terms of respect that are mentioned here. Husbands are to love their wives as themselves. Wives are to reverence their husband. Children are to honor their father and their mother. The family needs to be a respected institution because God designed it. And because it is so vitally important to us. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14. The wise man put it like this. Proverbs 19, verse 14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Our husbands, our wives, our children, our blessings from God. And as such, we need to be thankful, and we need to respect them, and we need to honor this institution that God has made. God designed the family. Are we going to make fun of it? Are we going to ridicule it? Are we going to hold it in derision? No, it is a blessing. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, 1 Timothy 5, verse 4, But if any widow have children or nephews, let them first learn to show piety at home. And to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable for, before God. Piety could also be translated respect. Grown children need to respect their parents because these relationships in the family last a lifetime. The family is to be a respected institution. God designed it. We need to respect it and honor it as such. Furthermore, the family is to be an independent institution. 
Our families, our family units need to be independent. Jesus said this again in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, as we looked earlier. But notice what he said. He said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. When a husband and wife get married, they're to leave father and mother, and they're to be joined together as one flesh. They are to leave father and mother and cleave to each other. Now, leave doesn't necessarily mean you have to relocate physically. We could look at examples of people in the Bible who didn't relocate physically. Jacob stayed with Laban for, what was it, 21 years? Yet Jacob had left Laban, and Jacob's wives had left Laban emotionally. Husbands and wives need to be separate from their parents. Why? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, as he is the Savior, uh, and he is the Savior of the body. We can't fulfill the Lord's commands for our family if we're not independent. Husbands and wives need to leave. Parents need to let them go because the family is designed by God to be an independent institution. Furthermore, and very important, is that the family is to be a loving institution. A loving institution. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17 says this, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Have you ever had a stalled ox? That would be one of the best cuts of meat you could have. Several years ago, Nikki and I went to a fancy steakhouse, and the waiter came around, and as we were talking about what we wanted to eat, he said, now, this isn't on the menu, or maybe it was on the menu. He says, we have this beef that was raised in a stall, and every day they massage the cow to get the best meat you can have. And when we saw the price tag, we decided we, maybe we could deal with that Cow that didn't have all this worries massaged away at the end of the day. We'll take the one that had to fend for herself. The proverb writer says, though, if you could have that kind of meat every day in a family that didn't have love, you'd be better off just eating what you could get out of the garden with those that love you. Our families have to be a place of love. It is so important. It's as important as any other instruction God has given about the family. We've got to have a place where there's love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husband, love your wives. Even Colossians chapter 3 himself for it. Husbands are to love their wives. Colossians chapter 3 verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Husbands, are you doing this? Are you loving your wife in such a way that you're sacrificing yourself, your desires, your needs for her? Are you giving yourself for your wife? And are you doing so without becoming bitter about it? Well, I'll do this because I have to. I've had enough of this. I'll just, I've, I've got to just trudge through it. No. 
You're loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Are we doing that? Our families have to be this place of love. And wives, you're not off the hook either. Titus chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 says it this way, The aged women likewise, that they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Wives, are you doing this? Or do you get together with the other ladies for lunch and talk about how much your husband's getting on your nerves? Do you love your husbands like you should? Come off to Siberia. Your children like you should, or do you sometimes wish you could just ship them off to Siberia? Do we love our children like we should? Notice this in the context of Titus chapter 2 is this is something that could be taught and learned. This isn't just an emotion. It's not just an emotion for husbands or wives. Loving is something that we do, the way we act, and the way that we treat one another. Husbands, do you love your wives? Wives, do you love your husbands? Wives, do you love your children like you should? Husbands, do you love your children like you should? And does that love cause you to do some things that may not be pleasant and may be difficult? One of those being Proverbs chapter 13, verse 34, or verse 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Disciplining our children is not something that's easy. It's easy to let that aspect of parenting sort of slide. But the proverb writer says that when we do that, we don't love our children like we should. Are we giving them the discipline and instruction that they need? The family has to be a place of love. We need to be working on that. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 4, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. Children, are you loving your parents like you should? God said, honor them, love them, treat them the way that you should treat your parents. You want your parents to love you, you have to reciprocate that and show love and honor to them because the family is designed to be a loving institution. And furthermore, and very much a subject of dispute in our society today, God has designed the family to be a permanent institution. Few in our society today understand this, the permanence of the family. In fact, the common thought about family today and about marriage today is that if it works out, great, but if it doesn't, if there are any bumps in the road, any kind of stress or strain, well, we'll just get a divorce. In fact, some even enter into marriage with the idea of divorce in mind and create a prenuptial agreement before they get married. We're going into this with a good uh, expectation that it's going to be a failure. And so when it fails, you get this and I get that and we'll work it out like that. Because our society does not respect the fact that the family is designed to be a permanent institution. Matthew, back in Matthew chapter 19, beginning verses 4 and 6 again, as we looked at before, Jesus said, Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man separate or put asunder. God designed the family 
And as such, God gets the right to say how long the family is to be in existence. And God says you don't separate a family. You keep the family together. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. God says that marriage is permanent. God hates divorce. Malachi chapter 2 verse 16 says, Malachi chapter 2 verse 16, For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that He hateth putting away. Your translation might say He hates divorce. God hates divorce. Now would you look around at our society today and come up with that idea? Would you look at even many denominations today and come up with the idea that God hates divorce? God says that marriage is permanent. We need to respect it as such. We often use the phrase in wedding ceremonies today, till death do us part. You won't find that in the Bible, but you find that concept. Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3 tells us that we are to be bound, or we are bound, and we need to be married to our husband or our wife until death separates us. In Romans chapter 7, verse 2 beginning, For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband, so that if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. There's God's design for the family. That once you're married, you're bound. And you're bound until death separates you. We'll talk about that more in a coming lesson. But God's design is that marriage be a permanent institution. I'll tell you something else about God's design for the family, and that, that is that the family is to be a religious institution. God's design is fundamentally that we need to be a religious or institution, the family. And that just stands to reason with all that we've said, that, it, that the family has to be structured on an understanding and appreciation and an honoring of God's will in every aspect of our lives. It is so vitally important. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 1, Peter talks about wives who may be married to a husband who's not a Christian, and the desire is that he would become one, that they both would share that bond of love for God and a desire to do His will. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if they any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. God wants husband and wife both to be Christians. That's God's desire. That ought to be our desire as well, that we're building this foundation on a love for God and His will and a desire to do it in every aspect of our lives. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, notice the precedent that, jo that Joshua set, the expectation that Joshua set for his family. He says, my family is going to follow the Lord. He set that expectation. Husbands, we need to be setting that expectation in our families, that our family is going to follow God. Notice Joshua 24, verse 15, And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Joshua didn't say, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I hope that my wife will too. I'm going to serve the Lord, and it'd be great if my kids did. Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. That was the expectation in Joshua's home. That needs to be the expectation in all of our homes. We are going to serve the Lord, no if, and, or but. We follow God. We need to make sure that that's the direction that we set for our families. Many parents today, though, are hesitant to set that expectation. Have you heard of parents in the past that have said, well, I don't want to force religion on my kids. If they want to come to Bible study on Sunday morning, that's okay. But if they don't, I'm not going to force it. No, we have to be setting the expectation that our families are going to serve the Lord. In Titus chapter 1, verse 6, in the qualification for elders, notice what Paul tells Titus here as one of the qualifications. If a man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly. Paul had the expectation because God's expectation for elders and men that he desires to lead congregations is that they will have led their families to serve him. And God had set the precedent throughout time that parents are to be leading their children in things spiritual and developing their spiritual life. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 5, notice the expectation for the children of Israel in their respect and relationship with the law of Moses. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy diligently into thy children. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou settest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And they sh thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Moses is telling the children of Israel, you need to immerse yourself in the word of God. And as you do so, you need to immerse your, ch your children in that. You're going to talk to your children when you're walking from here to there. When you sit down, when you rise up, you're talking with your children about God's Word. We need to be doing that. There are so many distractions in our lives. We need to be making sure that we're looking for opportunities to bring up God and His will in our lives as families together with our children. Talk to them about what God has created in the world that you're observing. Talk to them about what God desires of us in this situation or that situation. When we see others who aren't living like they should and are paying the price and suffering the consequences for that, let's talk to our children about that. He's suffering because he's not living like he should. She is struggling because she made a bad decision and is paying the consequence of that. Let's talk to our children about God's will. We need to make sure that we understand that our families are designed to be religious institutions. Psalm 78, verse 2, beginning. Psalm 78, verse 2, the psalmist says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us we will not hide strength. And his wonderful works that he hath done, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children. The psalmist says, we're going to talk about these things to our children. We're not going to keep them secret. We're going to teach them about God's will. We're going to talk to them about that. 
Why? The psalm goes on. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. This is taught to our children. They'll teach it to their children. They'll teach it to their children. And we'll set up a legacy of faith by teaching our children about God. It has to be our high, one of our highest priorities. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is a command. Are we teaching our children? God has designed the family. It is a God-designed institution from the very beginning. And as such, it needs to be a respected institution. And that respect needs to be displayed in the way we talk about our family and the way that we treat our family. It needs to be an independent institution. A husband and wife cleave together. It needs to be an institution that's full of love, an institution that respects the permanence that God designed for it, and an institution that is religious, founded upon God's will and seeking it in every aspect of our lives. Well, I hope the things we've talked about this morning, although they are fundamental, have been helpful to you in reminding you of God's design for the family. And as we go on in coming weeks, Lord willing, we'll get into some more of those roles, those specific roles for men, women, and children that we need to be honoring in our family lives. What about you this morning? How are you living? Are there things in your life that need improvement? Is there anything that we can do to help you with that? If there is, would you let us know while we stand and sing?